bringing to you the stories that have never been told, the news that has yet to unfold, and the voices you have not heard. This is the Caribbean Cannabis Channel, where we meditate and educate on all things ganja within the Caribbean region, with your host, Prophet Nati. Blessed day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. As always, we always have insightful conversations, engaging guests, and just a lot to share and educate you on with the developing cannabis movement. Today we have uh, a special guest. Um, she's a, a community worker, a social advocate, a ganja lover, and I will I will say the founder of the movement, Stay Calm, it's a plant. We have Quillen, and just to share a little bit about what she has been doing about the community work within Trinidad and Tobago, and even in the wider region, as I know that she not just um, supports the cannabis movement locally, but also regionally and on an international level. Quillen, how are you feeling today? How are you? Yes, thanks. I am feeling great. Very thankful to be here on the podcast to share, you know, what's going on in Trinidad and Tobago and you know, lend a voice to the Caribbean outreach. Definitely, definitely. And we appreciate you taking the time to come and share your, your knowledge and your your wisdom with us. So, Colin, like all cannabis activists, consumers, supporters, it all starts from someplace, like something inspires to actually pick up a split for a chalice, whatever it may be, or just in conversation, you may not use it. And you just say, you know what? This plant has contributed to persons or it has contributed to my life. Like what, what's your story? Where did you start in terms of cannabis advocacy? Well, I, I love to start with the fact that the way I was raised, my environment, my parents and such were very, was very not a household of liberal use of any sort of drugs or, you know, I mean, at that time, I'm talking, I was raised in the 80s, early 90s. That was my childhood. and. Um, you know, my parents didn't even smoke cigarettes. They were smoker, um, social drinkers. So being raised in Separia, which is southern um, countryside, Trinidad, Trinidad, cannabis was very demonized, you know, in that growing up as a youth, I thought it was drugs. And, uh, you know, we thought too that BDs in a bottle that they used to sell for like 50 cents was also some kind of ganja thing because they used to call it hemp. You know, um, so that's how I grew up. And it's only until and I, a big part of my um, story and the journey, you know, is that even when I went to college, I because I was so ignorant, I didn't have any clue about the herb. I didn't even I mean, in, in that time, to be honest, we didn't have Google and Facebook at either. When I was in college, Facebook was like now coming out. So it's not like we had all these resources, but we still thought cannabis use was very like hush hush and, you know, something illicit. And I had a friend in college who did use, who confessed to me that she smoked pot with her boyfriend. And I remember being like, this is crazy. <laughs> oh my God, how could she do this? You know, and um, I stopped being friends with her. And, and who is this person? dealing with anybody who doing drugs so <laughs> I kind of locked off so that you know that's a big um, a very um structured catholic um background not having any knowledge and it being very stereotyped for us in my 20s this incident happened 
lock somebody off and alienate them. And if I if I had checked myself and asked the question, this was a woman, a young woman who was a student government leader. She was in a sorority, very well respected African American student leader on our campus, mm-hmm. and that didn't click to me. All I heard was pot, and was like, uh, you know, no, we don't dealing have dealing with, with it. Criminal. Yes, not <laughs> dealing with her, right? And so that was my early twenties, and then I remember being introduced to to Ganja the first time in the Cayman Islands by a friend of mine. Again, not having no idea, but being more liberal to try it. Um, and that was a good experience as a first experience. And then to say, really start using cannabis was like 25, 26 years old. I had just migrated back to Trinidad from America. Um, and I was spending time with my first cousins who were all young professionals in different fields, um, as diverse as being a teacher to work in Petrotrin. And they were smoking ganja. And mm-hmm. when I lined with them, they were like, yeah, we just smoke weed, try it. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And I, that, that was, all of this was like, you know, these are the things that have to click in your, in your consciousness of like, when you think about preconceived notions and, and what you were taught to believe, and then you are faced with it in real life. And when you check the two things, they don't line up, you know? So it's like somebody always telling you, people who use ganja are like, you know, they're delinquents and they're drug users and they're violent or whatever they want to say. And then you meet somebody like me, you know, and you talk to me and you're like, but she real quiet, you know, nice. And she seems to be very soft-spoken and, you know, nah. And then those two things need to click in your brain and be like, okay, well, somewhere along the way, this stereotype also excluded people who may not fit, you know, this, yeah. this thing. So, mm-hmm. Right. So that was my kind of um, awakening moment when I realized that my cousins who were all professionals in corporate Trinidad and Tobago were using ganja. And this is before it was decriminalized. So that started my social use of cannabis where I was with my family and I felt very safe in the environment. And, And through them, I also met other people that became part of my intimate social circle, who I'm still good with today. Mm-hmm. because we smoked ganja but then we be- developed and became friends right and then the advocacy came in when after moving home seeking actual practice seeking god you know i found rastafari and um that journey to growing my dreads and and finding ethiopian orthodoxy and all of that really also opened my eyes to racial um prejudice in our country mm-hmm. that, you know, as much as I was a Rasta woman, I was very much in the part in, in that young part of my Rastafari journey. I was very, as we were saying, when you're fire burning. So very red, gold and green and very strong Rasta woman, trodden, you know, militant. And yet, you know, when I was with friends who were of a darker complexion, even my son's father, when we were together and moving, you know, I saw racial discrimination targeted towards them because they were of a darker complexion and more prevalent African features. So that kind of brought about an indignation, um, which continues to this day in that anywhere I see inequality, anywhere I see, because it's not just ganja, but ganja right now is, I think, the biggest 
the biggest tool that minority communities, that communities that have been affected by the war on drugs, which is the African community in most countries of the world. For sure. You know, the, these are, this, is, this is why I focus on, on ganja right now, because I think that in the near future, and once people see it like that and they start to do the work, that it's going to become a big economic tool to rectify the, you know, the discrimination that the war on drugs brought on to a lot of communities. So that's my that's why I'm focused on ganja. But I was saying that, you know, I'm a social activist. I anywhere I see inequality, anywhere I see injustice, I am, you know, very much there and lending a voice. So that is how it got started. And in 2012, I was just like, I really wanted to say something about cannabis use. I didn't know what it was. But then at the same time, a, a very prolific artist from Trinidad, Darren Chiwa, put up this piece of artwork, which is now my logo, Stay Calm, It's a Plant. And I was like, yes, that is what I want Found people it. to do. You come yes, <laughs> that is it. That is what I want people to know. Stay calm, it's a plant. You know, and I reached out to him and I said, Darren, you know, this is what I want to do. I really would like to use this piece of artwork as a, as a tool to send up this message. And he was like, yeah, big up yourself. Use it. No problem. And that's, that, that was the beginning. Yeah. And I just started. I learned how to screen print through a Rasta sister in Tough Like Iron, um, who, was, who is a Jamaican designer, reggae singer now, uh, or artist. You know, but she was a designer at that time. And she taught me how to screen print. And I just started screen printing that logo onto T-shirts and stuff. And it just became a movement. You know, people were like, and it, people were like, that is what I want people to know. And up to today, you know, I was in rap work today, passing through just to get a quick bite. And the girl was like, I really like your dress. I was wearing a dress with the logo on the front. And she's like, I want people to know that. That they should stay calm. It's a plant. And, you know, and I was like, good. You know, that's really important that even to this day, um, the message is very um, relevant, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I hope that wasn't too long, but that's kind of like the quick journey of, you know, growing up in a very a sheltered background, going into my young adulthood, even living away and not having exposure to certain things, you know, going through my own cognitive dissonance, you know, where clearly it had people who looked like me, was educated like me, but they used ganja and they were okay, you know, and I had I have it now to be like, oh, okay, maybe ganja isn't such a bad thing. And then coming back home and finding out that, yeah, everybody I know smoke weed. Okay, you know, and um, then through Rastafari, you know, going into the whole advocacy of the plants and not just the plant, but the community of Rasta, which which is again a big part of my um activism as well i mean i didn't say that but you know i'm sure you'll ask me but yeah that's a big part of my activism too ensuring that the rasta community get the recognition and the reparations due to them as being like the most especially in our side of the world in the caribbean region um you would say that yeah mm -hmm. you understand and when we say forefront heavily heavily cr criminalized you know what i mean we, we see them now as like vanguards and and being like the one, the proponents for cannabis. But the reality is the Rasta was... The most, the most criminalized, the most prejudiced. Yeah, a lot of injustice, man. 
Yeah. So, you know, I think now is the time to really get on that um, work to say, if you're going to legalize this thing and you're going to make money from it, mm-hmm. you have to Include make sure those. that the people who suffer, yeah, you know? That's, that's true. And, and that's a full a full circle you're coming from, from a lot of persons who actually end up um, within cannabis or a cannabis advocate. Usually they have some some sort of introduction or likening to the, to the plant and they, they end up there. But you you came came from a space of saying, yo, this is like total wrong, this is bad, etc. To actually understanding and opening up yourself to actually wanting to learn. And sometimes it's it's needed to to get it from persons you are comfortable with, um, such as family or friends or persons who you have seen being quote unquote successful in whatever arena of their life. Because if if you're coming from a space of not knowing the benefits of ganja or how how it actually has assisted persons and you're just hearing all the negativity from either your parents, the media, etc., then it's understandable where persons will be sort of skeptical to actually about using it or wanting to learn about it. So yeah. I, th- I think having that support network or some or people around you who actually use it and successful is very important, which is why we always need persons to, to speak out about it, to be confident about the cannabis use. So, they, so everybody who uses it and probably in, in their closet now understands that, yo, this is nothing to really be to be ashamed about this is something to actually claim and support and bring to the forefront so that now that a movement is happening, we'll be able to support it and push towards the legalization so that one, you could use it freely without any stigmatization, as well as those who have been stigmatized, they, they get their justice from it, such as the, the Rastafarian group. And I personally love your, your the quote is simple to the point, very effective, you know, because Really and truly, you just need to be calm about it and understand that it's a plant. It's it's a medicinal plant. It's a spiritual plant. It's just there to assist and heal. Currently, you do a lot of community community work, a lot of workshops as well. What is the importance? So why do you see that as being a main tool in terms of gathering support or or reaching out into the community? So what what got you to that to that point? Well, part of it is brand building. I mean, straight up, you know, in terms of building Stay Calm, it's a plant as a movement as well as a business because I am building generational wealth. Um, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. So, you know, just, just to expand what it is we do and not just, just T-shirts or just paraphernalia, but also to, let, to be a kind of forerunner in the educational part of it, especially in Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, I am thankful for the outreach I've, I've been able to be a part of in the region but you know in terms of so that's one part but then the really important part for me is the the whole breakdown of a taboo of a of a stereotype or a stigma you know it's only when you we're, we're at this point where and i hope those who listen to this podcast have this their own eureka moment where we have to con- consciously and actively break down this taboo you know, we can't just be like, oh, okay, it will be legalized. And when it's legal, we will give it up to chance. Yeah, yeah, then we'll do X, Y. No, we need to say, hey, okay, now that we know that ganja is good for us, that it actually has medicinal properties, that it's a non addictive substance, that you can eat it, smoke it, drink it, extract it, you know, all of these things, 
that we let other people know and we we fight that um negative connotation by being the the advocates ourselves and saying well i use ganja butter in my cooking sometimes when i'm not feeling good or you know i'm I'm having my period cook with a little ganja and that helps with pain and stuff and that that is how i want people to normalize ganja use you know what i mean i think that people just need to be very um honest about how it how it works for them and why they use it and for those who don't sorry not not those who don't but the for those who do use it and are professionals and are in a in a part from a part of society that may also have been the people upholding the prejudice so for example i always say this according to the cannabis control bill that was written by former ag farisal wari and that was recently passed to a point it hasn't been enacted yet as constitution but it's already been passed in the the lower and the upper house the reality of that bill one of the clauses is that when we when they start to prescribe or dispense cannabis they want doctors and pharmacists to be the professionals that do that you know and they wrote it like that based on maybe california law or whatever foreign law that they thought it was a good cut and cut and paste part to put in our constitution and and i'm making a, a ridicule of that because again drawing to the point doctors and pharmacists demonize ganja up to today you know what i mean we are not hearing any doctors or pharmacists go on the papers or speak on any medical board and and say need to really push up cannabis as a non-addictive so other than dr Pottinger, saying that i don't know any other doctors who have very vocally advocated for um responsible ganja use or for the the use of cannabis in the medical pra- practice but yet when this law comes into being and we start to set up industry and most likely you know like how the foreign market is they want to do dispensaries and have these kind of outposts for legal ganja buying. So that that is to me as a pharmacist or a doctor, if I knew this, then I would I would jump out and be like, hey, you know, um whoever drugs and whatever is going to soon be part of the whole legal cannabis industry. And if you want to learn more, come to our workshop, come to our outreach, you know. And I think they are the ones that really are supposed to be doing that. And they're not. And you know, I have heard, I've been in the hospital too and have heard doctors ridiculing um, somebody who say, you know, they could use, they want a little marijuana for the pain and they're like laughing at him. And I had to, you know, ask them about it. Like, do you not know that cannabis is an energy, you know, a, a pain reliever? And so that's why I do workshops. You know, I think that, um, and it, you know, it hasn't been masks, uh, wide outreach yet. I do hope that the opportunity will come that we can offer this to, you know, anybody who is interested, including minors. And let me also, you know, speak to that where. Yeah, please do, please do. Because I was actually going to ask you about that, especially as you made mention about your building generational wealth and you have your son. Like, how, how do you incorporate um, him or teach him about, about cannabis? Well, my son has, my son grew up uh, around Ganja, not just. Um, with me using it but with planting and having plants around and you know he's a raster so he knows about 
ganja use in spiritual practice when we go Naya Bengi Tabernacle or we go to a 12 tribes gathering or to Bobo Hill, you know. Um, so he has an educational outreach program called the Herbies, um, which are some characters that he drew in like 2018, I believe. And I just had them digitized and made them, you know, a little more colorful. Yep. So I actually also named our first annual cannabis awards after his brand, which is called again the Hobies. So we have the Hobies Award, which got some recognition from Newsday this year, uh, which I'm really grateful about. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I I, I see no problem talking to children about ganja. And, and on the whole, I think we need to also, again, coming back to hypocrisy, we as adults need to stop, you know, you're smoking cigarette and you're drinking rum around children when, when it's Christmas time or when it's Easter or, you know, big line going on and all the adults in a corner drinking rum and smoking cigarette. And, you know, you don't tell the children nothing. All the children know is that that's what the adults doing over there. You know, that's adult people thing. Um, exactly. But where is the conversation and, and where is the, the overstanding that, you know, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z. And maybe if we did have those conversations, I think people will also examine the reason why they use rum and cigarettes so much in our society. But as a other conversation altogether, but it just has to do, I think, with, you know, again, the society we live in where, what, what, what do we say? Um, do what I say, not as I do. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. And that level of hypocrisy is all the way up to our leadership, you know, where it's like, I could be corrupt, but you can't rob a bank, you know? You don't rob nobody, but we could rob people. You understand? So I just try to be really honest with my youth about everything I do and have conversations with him about almost everything in a child-appropriate manner, of course. And when it comes to the herb, I mean, the reality is it's a plant. And he, he sees it growing and he overstands. He likes the smell of it. You know, he... Um, I give him in beautiful smell. Right. And so many different strains. Mm-hmm. And I he loves that too. You know, he would ask to smell it if it's a different strain he's never smelled. Um, and I do give my youth cannabis for his endocannabinoid system in things like popcorn, or sometimes I give him if he's not feeling well, I'll put a little bit of cannabis tincture in like a drinkable um medicine, like maybe a hot tea. You know, and I put a little mm-hmm. bit of cannabis tincture and he knows the taste of it. And sometimes if it's too strong, he'll tell me like, mom, you know, I think it was a little strong. Um, I'm going to lie down and take a rest, you know. <laughs> so that does happen sometimes. But, you know, it, it, as I say too, it's not if we're being, it's not detrimental. Cannabis is not a toxic plant, not even addictive. What I have observed through, so I started using cannabis seriously when I was 25 years old. I'm now 39. So it's only been 14 years. And when I tell people that they're always shocked because people, I I know people who have dependency issues in that that's how they start their day and they kind of smooth out the rough, you know, the, the, the expectation of the day going rough by smoking a weed. And if they don't smoke for the day, it's like, they're on edge a little bit. But at the same time, it's not like a cigarette, somebody who's been smoking cigarette for 
20 years and they're trying to stop, you know, and going through itching, they're going through you understand? Cold yeah. sweating, mm-hmm. you know, their skin scratching them. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like that at all. And and you know, and if I could bring that comparison, one is illegal and one is legal. I'm always baffled by that as well, that if we're talking about substance use, cigarette and rum in Trinidad and Tobago are abused abused and legalized, legally abused, right? You can drink as much punching as you want and you can smoke as much cigarettes as you want. And we know that these things have negative health effects for a fact, especially cigarettes, right? I call it cigarette because there are no benefits to using a cigarette. You know, I mean, the nicotine may give you a temporary um, euphoria, whatever it does, but but the detriment is far greater. Uh, you understand? Far and greater. it's addictive. It's mm-hmm. an addictive substance, right? The nicotine that they put in a cigarette. So, the, but but it's it's legal, and cannabis, which is a herb that you grow from a seed, is illegal. And the crazy thing is, on the cigarette box, they actually let you know that it is harmful to your health and that it, yeah, it, it has statistics. We don't need to go into it. Uh, and they continuously sell it. And it's, it's, it's weird. And even the rum, the rum part that you would have made mention. Like, I don't understand how parents would be against, um, let's say, for instance, giving their, their child some form of ganja to assist whatever ailment. But in the same light, wouldn't see a problem with giving your child a shot of punching and saying, yeah, it's for the wounds exactly. or, or just to start to build up their tolerance and all these different things. So it's a hypocrisy at its finest throughout Trinidad and Tobago and probably even other parts of, of the world. Yeah. And we definitely need to work on, on actually breaking, breaking that stigma, educating persons. Um, the community outreach, the community work is, is fantastic. Um, I also love the the Hoobies Award. Like when I saw it, I was like, finally something is happening where we see in persons being recognized or we are starting to form those communities or those safe spaces where in a persons could actually start to develop, whether you may be a small time farmer, you probably develop a new type of accessory that persons could use. So all these things are um goes a long way in terms of benefiting benefiting the industry on a on a yeah, gift towns. Um, so in terms of the the Herbies Award, though, do you plan on uh, expanding that um or developing it further, or is it like just just trying it out right now and and then probably trying another form of the awards later on or so? Everything I do is progressive. Let me say that you know um and all of it is inspired by the Most High who gather, who guides I and I to you know do His work, do the Almighty's work. His whole work, sorry, I'm trying to un unpatriotize, you know, um, the use of the Almighty. So, but you know, again, programmation. So, anyways, the most high and being guided. And um, yeah, I mean, this year it started off, it just to, to make it easy and simple, it was all voting online. The submissions were online. All they had to do was post three pictures and a one-minute video talking about what they do and why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. But in the future, I would like to have it. And then so what happened as well, sorry, is that after the awards and the winners were announced on 420, I was also going to very dryly call people and be like, okay, here's your prize. Congrats, you know. And then again, the Almighty was like, no, do an award ceremony and invite the community, the cannabis community, 
to come and celebrate the winners and kind of make it, you know, a vibe. And I was like, that is awesome. Yes, I am going to do this. And in one week, I just kind of planned a quick thing with the help of the Ganja Gathering, which is a southern based, a south based, um, Trinidad south based cannabis advocacy group as well. Um, they kind of helped me put it on. And yeah, it was a nice little vibes. And I met, you know, some of the winners who I would have never met otherwise because they were just Instagram profiles, you know, not very um, public people. Um, so, you know, in the future, that is what I would like the Herbies to be, where it's a, a very big public um, celebration of people who love the herb, love the plant, you know, they, they want to see cannabis progress as much as I do. Um, I have a category, the weed warrior, which is the person who is like the most vocal about cannabis activism. And obviously for 29, um, sorry, 2022 out there than who, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, that is something like I, I can't wait to see who goes for those kind that kind of title, you know, the people who are like, yeah, it's about time. I want to let people know I use ganja and this is why. And, you know, and really, Confident. yeah, and really break down those stigmas of the who's now, the who's that use weed, you know? So mm-hmm. it's an evolving thing. And um, I don't fight too much about the, in terms of everything I do, I'm not, I don't worry about the Babylon system and the pushback or, you know, if it's going to get me in trouble if I do X, Y, and Z, because it's, to me, it's all people powered and it's all based on the cannabis community. And, you know, I'm very happy if we do an award ceremony in on top of a mountain with just 50 people or 100 people who are like, we love ganja, you know? I'm not looking for like, the, 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 the fame exactly. or the, the lights. Or, yeah, or, I don't care about mm-hmm. the Napa and being the minister of cannabis or whatever, like whatever, you know, whoever want to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a, it's a, as I said, it's me evolving too. And when the, the time is right, things happen where I am blessed with people who just come into my life and are like, we want to help you do this and it happens, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the next movie's award. Hopefully I'll be able to, to be there in person. Yes. Currently I'm outside of the country. So all of the events, all the treasure hunts and stuff that's currently happening, um, I'm missing out on that, unfortunately. But, you know, home will always be home. So when I'm back there, definitely partake in all that's happening. For sure. Now, as we close, we always like to just get some random questions just uh, for our listeners to, to know who you are as a person and then nothing too personal but you know just to understand who, sure. what gets um pulling taken um favorite foods do you have any favorite food like a go-to that it's always on your mind or even if you you seen something you was like you know what i'm sticking with my with my favorite my favorite food is breadfruit oil down no pigtail breadfruit oil down Trini, Trini style or Grenadian style? Picard Grenadian style. Grenadian style. Uh, well, no, it, once it has no pigtail and enough coconut milk. Once it has no pigtail and enough coconut milk. 
Yeah. And the best thing is all along. Like actually, the, the best all along I got was from my Grenadian friend. Boy, I'm still in love with her today. I never had an oil dung after that. But she always makes me remember oil dung. And it's like, whoa. And in terms of music, like I've gotten some awesome music artists or songs that has inspired or just makes people feel feel irie. Like, are there any music artists that you always groove to or have a favorite song of yours? Well, right now, Burner Boy is on the top of my playlist. True, you know, okay. yeah, I'm really enjoying Burner Boy music. Um, I just love his energy, even though, yes, I don't speak Yoruba, and <laughs> you know, I half of the things I probably don't understand, but yeah, Burner. Um, but other than Burner, because it's a new discovery, and I'm just you know getting into the whole Afrobeat um genre, you know, more now than mm-hmm. what we hear on radio and all of that, but other than that, Chronics. The whole reggae revival, more chronics, though. I think chronics has stayed really true to the Rastafari overstanding. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he hasn't tried to go mainstream, which I think some of the other artists with all calling names have kind of gotten lost in, you know, trying to get too mainstream, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, and other than that, more reggae, you know, I love conscious music. I love. Bob Marley, you can't go wrong, you know, Never. but Chronics is definitely when I want to, I'm in a mood and stuff, you know, that's, that's my artist. No, Chronics, Chronics is, is a classic. And what, what I love about Chronics, as you said, he's not, he doesn't go into the mainstream. However, yeah. he, he's able to, to blend the old school with the new school perfectly. So like whether, whether you're 50 or you're 20, you could groove the chronics, you could vibe the chronics because the, the energy is just there. <laughs> and as I said, he, he keeps that conscious message, yeah. but also puts it into a way where you could vibe to his music and it doesn't seem as though it's it's just for a particular type of people or you're you have to be heavy raster or these things. Because you know, persons just have you know these stereotypes. So if you listen to this type of music, XYZ. So yeah, chronics is, is a fabulous artist and the work that he does is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah give thanks. So, mm-hmm. so before we do leave, um, Colin, is there anything that you want to to leave with the guests? Maybe I guess now, leave with the listeners um, a yeah. message of positivity or what they could do to if they want to support the cannabis movement in their own, own lives. Well, I mean, at my closing message, at, at least for Trinbagonians, is don't get caught up in legalization as an answer to regulating or somehow um, legitimizing can- mm-hmm. cannabis in our society, you know, because one, it's been here for many, many years, for decades. Um, it's only now people are, are speaking about it and feeling comfortable to be open, but it's always been here. And, um, you know, if if you if people know anything about legalization around the world, I have yet to see a legal model that has been repertory in its justice and has mm. been equal, you know, has given people equity. I have yet to see that. It's still predominantly white males who run legal ganja, you know? And um yeah, so I'm not I'm not moved by any sort of and I think even the name of the bill um 
is like, you know, again, it's so telling of our society in terms of how they see things. But the cannabis, yeah, the cannabis <laughs> control bill, which is so funny because they've never been able to control it. You know, it's it's never been controlled. Um, but yeah, you know, so that's a fight that I'm having even within the Rastafari community where people just think that in order to be diplomatic and to, you know, kind of follow the law of the land, we need to like fall into this legal framework. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the, at the end of the day, unless we try to really correct the wrongs of, of the colonial past, you know, and, and I think this is one of the, again, I use Gantra as a tool and as a specific landmark victory to say, you know, if we could get recognition for this plant and we could get people to, to agree and say, yes, um, cannabis was used to criminalize people of a particular um, background or a particular cultural identity. And in order to correct that now this is what we need to do we need to inject revenue or taxation money from legal cannabis use into those same communities so that they can now grow and build themselves um unless those things happen and unless our government minister is saying these things i have no hope or no faith in the in the you know in that system or that system to say that they are trying to really um push or progress our progress us you know progress the society forward it's all a fast and i think people just need to build community you know i i say community c-o-m-e-u-n-i-t-y and we need to build community because the people are the power you know democracy is only as good as the people that make it work who are the people who vote for their leaders so Mm -hmm. we can't just give up those we can't not give up, but we can't forget that we are the ones that really have the power. And it's not five years. You don't have power every five years. Like, you know, on one day you get your power. No, your power is there. And, you know, you have to exercise it in certain ways. And sometimes the best way is just to opt out, which is what I choose to do in that I'm not, again, I've, you know, and I've been very vocal on other programs by saying this, I will not participate in any legalization of cannabis in Trinidad and Tobago um, for the reasons mentioned before. Um, And instead, what I choose to do is build community. And I do that through the workshops and I do that through educational programs and by doing collabs with brands and, and young people who are coming up and wanting to be in the cannabis industry and help build Trinidad and Tobago. So I think if we do that enough and, you know, we, we just bolster each other up, um, we will reach somewhere, you know. And I really hope that is the, that is the future where we have a, a strong, people-powered, community-based advocacy society, you know, that tries to correct wrongs immediately and not wait for things to just bubble over and become an issue that we can no longer ignore, you know? Definitely. I couldn't end on a, on a better note. Really and truly, what we need to be focusing on is building community. And yeah. again, you all will understand the, the unity aspect. That's what we're really focusing on and that's bringing together everyone. Colin, it really and truly has been a pleasure having you here. You have left me inspired 
for sure. Um, learning about your story, learning about the movement. Um, but before you do leave, just tell the listeners how they could actually keep in touch with you and follow along with the stake. Um, it's a plant movement. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks to the Caribbean Cannabis Channel as well for having me on. Great work, Nathaniel. I, I, I too am inspired by, you know, this level of dedication to to get the stories of the Caribbean out there around this Thank plant. you, thank you. Yeah, it's very important and it's a great work you're doing. Um, Stay Calm It's a Plant is active on Instagram. It's Stay Calm It's a Plant with two T's at the end. I mean, we are on Facebook as well, but Instagram is more of the active page. And that's where I kind of post everything that is coming up as well. I'm hoping that in December 23rd this year, once I get the approval of Nalis in Port of Spain, I would like to do another educational conference. Um, the last one I did was called Cultivating a Cannabis Culture. So this one, I would like to call it um, Correcting Cannabis Convictions. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's what I have on the plate. And then obviously the Hobies Award coming up in March 2023. So, you know, for planters and, and edibles makers and people doing things in cannabis, you know, they could prepare themselves and and document their journey document their picture with their pictures and videos and stuff so that they would have content to present for the competition and um yeah you know just doing what we could do in in any way that we can and always open to collaborations if anybody has an idea or you know they want to work with me on a particular thing please dm me on instagram and i will definitely um respond and you know we can go from there Great, great. Colin, again, thank you so much. And You're welcome. You continue to keep in touch for sure. And I will definitely need to pick up on certain parts of it because I feel as though there's more to say and more to discuss. But, yeah. you know, we leave this for another day, God's willing. So, All right. until next time, everybody, continue to meditate and educate. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss out on any of the exciting news happening across the region. Until next time, remember to meditate and educate.